Here we are with a very special episode. We're joined by Simon Rassiopa. Thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, happy to be here. Glad to uh, be chatting with you guys about this. Awesome. I'm uh, first off, congrats so much on uh, the success of season one and the so far success of season two. As we're recording this, um, episode three hasn't re been released yet, but we are going to release this after the fact. So we can talk a little bit about uh, episodes one through four. Um, so yeah, we just haven't got a chance to say in person like this, congrats on, you know, that was pretty amazing what happened with season one and um, being such huge fans of the comic and seeing this adaptation kind of like rise in popularity and be something that is so well adapted, you know, um, has been really great. And I hope uh, you've, you've enjoyed this as well, as much as we've been enjoyed watching it. Oh, thanks. That's really kind of you guys to say. Um, you know, I'd be miss. I want to make it super clear. Like, obviously, we're chatting today, but there's like 200 other people who work on the show. Oh, yeah. You know, all of whom contribute in immensely important, crucial, amazing ways. Uh, so uh, the credit has to be spread, you know, nicely across all 200 of us or so. <laughs> I want to make sure uh, that we don't forget, you know, everybody else who works on the show. But no, I think, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, I thought we would have... Uh, a core audience obviously just because the you know the comic is great and popular and i knew that and you know everything robert touches turns to gold um uh but i was surprised by how how much uh of an audience we got for season one so that was a wonderful surprise and you know in this mm -hmm. business you you never know right so there's great shows that don't find an audience uh even though they should and you know disappear after season and there's shows that maybe you, you personally think you're like i don't know why people watch this but have a massive audience and go on forever yeah. so you can't you can't expect anything so uh having a great response was is wonderful and i'm super thankful for it every single day yeah and like you were saying with it being such a team effort one thing that um we've discovered when doing this podcast and especially in the beginning was learning a lot more about how comics are made and how a monthly comic book comes out and we didn't really know the inner you know inner workings and ins and outs of all that kind of stuff and since the show has been coming out we've been learning a whole lot more about animation things that we had no idea about and we were lucky enough to have a director on from season one and a, a storyboard artist from season one and just learning more about it has been incredible so can you tell us just a little bit more about what it means to be a showrunner and what you're actually doing in terms of adapting this? Sure. I mean, like Robert and I are co-showrunning the series together. Uh, mm -hmm. We kind of split split things up, you know, to make it a little more manageable, uh, especially because obviously I think you guys know it's not a secret doing two and three at the same time. Oh, yeah. uh, so that's just like a huge amount of work. Yeah. Um, so show, the showrunner position is generally a writer position uh, in 99% of, of television. I think there's there's some rare exceptions. But it's the person who's sort of the person or persons who are in charge of basically the creative vision for the show uh, and sort of maintaining that across every aspect of the show, you know, from uh, the, the initial scripts or breaking the story, breaking the season to uh, designs, you know, to costumes in, in the case of casting, music, you know, editing, Jeez. post, you know, helping choose your keys for the keys would be like, you know, your supervising director or your directors of episodes or your sound team or your composer and just sort of like the person who can step back and see the entire picture wow. you know and know and knows what's coming up too you know and so has has sort of a, a but also lets the people do let, let the people you hire do their jobs too yeah you know and just sort of like oversee everything so 
uh, in, you know, in a film, that's a director who looks over the film, but in television is usually a writer because the writer is also working on the next couple episodes where the director might only be doing that episode or, or a couple episodes in isolation. Uh, so that's kind of the role, the showrunner role, the EP role on, on not just an animated series, but sort of like any, any television series. It doesn't seem so stressful. <laughs> so with it's easy it's a lot of sleeping you know? yeah, yeah you get a ton of sleep at least eight hours you a night. wake up look at a script be like yeah, it's pretty good yeah. With, yeah with you having other writers um and i honestly i, I just imagine that you're just com- every day just surrounded by so many people that love invincible that are just pitching you ideas for the direction of the show how are you able to like kind of wean through all of those ideas take some of them take some of them out but still stay in line with the direction that you and robert have for the show so we we run it a little differently than that so that's what you're talking about is kind of more like how most a lot of shows run which is where they don't have uh they don't have a book or they're not adapting something right like if you're just coming in like in a show you know like severance or something like that mm. you know they had a creative vision for the show but then you're working the story out in the room and maybe you don't know what the next episode is or what's what elements even you want to have in the rest of the season you're working that out with the writers you hire and it's this very can be a very collaborative process you know sometimes the creator might have like really key ideas and then you're working with those uh on invincible you know we have we have these right we have like all of these. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where we start. So you're not really coming in pitching a whole episode to us. What we're kind of looking at is like, okay, how can we take what's in the books? How can we adapt that to television in an interesting, compelling, emotional way? And where are there places where maybe we we, we want to open things up a little bit more and sort of like go a little deeper into a storyline? You know, certain things work great on the page, but necessarily not, they don't necessarily translate perfectly to uh, to television, so maybe we have to change them. How can we change them? So it's less about um, what what new ideas are we bringing to the show, more about like how are we taking what's already there, uh, going deeper and, and and adapting it properly to television. And then so that's yeah. what the writing team helps us do. And then also in their episode, you know, it's like okay, we want to show Debbie going through you know an emotional collapse. The book maybe only has a couple panels of that. Uh, we're going to need way more than that mm-hmm. to show yeah. deeper than that. What is that? What does that look like? What literally happens on screen? Because it's one thing to say, like, she breaks down. Great. Well, what, 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 how, where is it? In the kitchen? In her bedroom? Outside on the lawn? How do, how do we portray that? You know, does she break something? Does she just sort of like cry into her hands? Like, there's a million different ways. So that's what the writing team brings to the show is like fi- trying to find out those specifics and figure out like what's the best way to communicate the emotion of the scene to an audience that we can also produce. Uh, in our t- in our time schedule and on our budget, I think one of the best examples of you you kind of explaining that whole like wh- how you guys work it out is the last episode that just came out. Well, I don't know when this is releasing, Ryan. Um, We're releasing and, after, so after the four episodes, oh, okay. so yeah. but everybody in, in ep- has seen all four episodes. So in far. episode okay. two, in episode two, where it's literally a joke, this issue that came out in Atlantis, and there are things that happen in it that are like that Pivotal. resonate no pun intended um <laughs> that like it's just it's really surprising like that that you guys were able to take such a simple funny joke and turn it into something that like mattered and will matter and continue to matter it's just 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, yeah, I think, I mean, that's, that's the team, you know, it's us sort of sitting down. I mean, look, Robert, uh, the books are great. Obviously you guys know that you love the books, uh, but there are places where like, maybe we could connect this a bit more. Maybe we could, you know, wire this in the story, make it, make it matter a bit more. There's this, there's this big thing in television, you know, um, where people are just like, you know, like you, we have around 44, 45 minutes per episode. We could sometimes go a little longer, sometimes go a little less, but you have to kind of make it all count right we don't have we can't just do another episode if we didn't get to where we needed to get to we have we have you know eight episodes per season and we know kind of where we want to end and we know where we want to start and we have things we have to get we have to show you along the way so if we have a scene sometimes we do just have big goofy scenes but other scenes are like this has to carry water for us this has to move us along in some way hopefully yeah. in an emotional way yeah. so how can we tie it in a bit more if we want to keep it and if it's just doing nothing for us and it's just a funny beat, maybe maybe we can have that. But also those are the things that get cut first for something more important. Wow. So it's kind of that back and forth. I mean, a massive, massive example of that was the huge change you guys took in season one, end of episode one. I mean, throughout that entire first season, there's this, you know, looming mystery of what's going on with Omni-Man. Not in the comic at all, but you found, you guys found a way to weave that into every part of the story that is affecting Mark. That is hugely affecting Debbie. You know, what's going on with Cecil, like, you know, Damien Darkblood, like, but you still told so much of the story from season one in season one, but you had this massive change going on as well. And that was all different writers, um, you know, handling each of those, but it's all still feels like the same continuity, you know, it's not, yeah, like jumbled. Yeah. it's not like, a you know, back in the early 2000s or something where it's like, you know, every episode, uh, you might not get, you know, the, the the main story beats in this one or filler episodes or anything. Yeah, and to be clear, that is how most serialized shows are done nowadays. It's not like right. they, when we say different writers are writing them, it's not like they're writing them in isolation. You know, like we like the season begins when Robert and I get together and we sit down certainly season one and we just go through the books and we're like, let's talk about the season. What do we want to have in the season? Where do we think it starts and where do we think it stops? Here are some key elements. Maybe we could pull this forwards and stick in there. And we build a rough break of the season. And then we sit down with the writers and we're all in the same room together. And we do a oh, finer, cool. fi we do a finer break of the season. So everybody knows what's happening in the episode before them and what's happening in the episode after them. And literally what's happening in every episode of the season to, oh, awesome. to, a, to, to a wide degree. And then they go off and write their episodes. So there's no isolation. And then while they're doing their drafts, we're also working like Robert and I, working on the other drafts with the other writers. So there's this communication going back and forth where we're like, actually, you know what, that scene you had with Debbie, I think it would be better if we gave it to the episode before yours. So we're going to pull it out of yours. Thanks for writing it. And we'll give it to this writer and it goes into theirs. <laughs> you know, and you, yeah, well, that, that has happened. And then yours, though, now we can spend a little bit more time in this scene. So those pages wow. you thought you didn't have, now you've got three more pages. Let's go further. So everybody is talking to everybody wow. the whole time. And that's part of my job is really to coordinate all that and to make sure that everyone's aware and to sort of, again, step back and look at the whole picture and be like, everything connects, you know? And then we do Jeez. usually, you know, myself, uh, Helen Lay's uh, co-producer on the show, uh, you know, we do a read through every, every season uh, uh, with Ross Draki, who's one of our writers, you know, later in the process and just make sure our, all our threads linked all the way through. Have we forgotten something? It's a character not reacting to something that they probably should react to. Yeah. We miss stuff, but we try to we try to make it all sync up as, as best as we can. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and talking about, you know, how many moving parts it seems like you're managing as well, knowing that you guys are working on season two and three <laughs> at the same time, that has to, I'm sure, complicate things even more so than I would assume on most shows it is. You have one season, you're making this season and, you know, hoping to get the green light. How has that sort of changed the way you guys have to approach kind of working on the show? I mean, it just, it's, it's where it's having key sort of great people in great positions, uh, makes the difference so like you know we have dan duncan who's our supervising uh director who i just know he's going to handle things and he's going to do a great job and he's going to fix stuff so i can be sort of just like watch cuts make suggestions on edits and things like this but i know he's got it he's got that you know we got sean o'neill our direction Corey walker obviously you guys know is overseeing a lot of the art so that's stuff where it's like i know i don't have to worry about it uh you know i check in and i see all the designs but like Corey's a better artist than i will ever be i'm not an artist i can't draw so if Corey says it's good and it's thumbs up, then I know it's good. It's fine. You know, I'll step in if I'm just like, ah, actually, you know what, though? We're going to need a redesign of that because in two episodes, that character gets right. a wound or something changes. That's where I can sort of help. But I'm not going to tell Corey how to how to draw his own characters. Like, he knows what he's doing. He's great. So that's what makes this possible. It's a really good team, all working at the highest level, who can handle all these different aspects. You know, where Robert and I kind of like hover over and just kind of make sure everything's linking up and ultimately that all the scripts are working and translating properly into the show. Yeah. One thing that I've uh, we're seeing a lot of because episode two just came out is just the sheer amount of, you know, comic book stuff you put into the, this episode, episode two specifically, I know three is a lot like that. Um, but then you get episodes like, you know, episode, you know, the finale episode eight of last season or episode four of season two, where it's like, all right, let's distill it down. Let's like make this one a little bit more personal. Let's, you know, slow it down a bit. Um, that just seems like, I, I know there's not much of a question here, but that just seems like a lot of fun being able to go through the books and see like, okay, like, you know, this Atlantis stuff is going on or this, you know, lizard league stuff is going on. Or we can also introduce Shapesmith. I mean, is it just a dry erase board or is it what, how do you get to the point where it's like, you can pull so many different things and is it ever like, oh, maybe this is too much. I mean, I it's, it's, it's uh, you're basically, that's how we do it. I mean, it's a pretty organic process. We really sit yeah. down. There's things so like, you know, in, the, a good example in season one, like the Titan storyline, Titan yeah. in the books, I think is like a couple pages, maybe that, but it's pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty small. Yeah. Still a great character, great story. But we were, I remember reading that and being like, I think we could make a lot more out of this. Let's go that's a little cool. deeper into his character, you know? Uh, so that's the case where we took, you know, a small amount of the book and we pulled it open and we sort of found all these extra panels in between the panels that we could turn into a show. And that uh, song so too. Whew. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy with how that came out. And I feel like it's something we were able to add to the to the show, to the Invincible Universe that sort of like yeah. worked really well, you know? And you're going to see some of that going towards and then you're going to see stuff that is really almost identical to what's in the books. Uh, because what's in the books is great and yeah. we're, we look at it and we're like that's perfect we don't need to add to that you know we maybe have to spell some things out because again again panels it can only show you so much so we're like mm -hmm. okay we, we're gonna need a, another scene here we're gonna need this but let's just do this uh, so, so i feel the show is a way to pull back and forth between those two things i mean it's even more credit to i mean we're we're diehard invincible fans so this is just going to be a lot of us just gushing over your work and your team's work but um <laughs> you how your ability to even do the opposite of that with with your team too like kind of go in a direction where like episode two of season two like bill bill talked about where there were so many like little storylines of the comic that you guys packed into one episode but it felt 
organic. It didn't feel rushed. It felt just, it was natural. And it, there were so many like funny moments and you still fell in love with the characters, even though they're not on screen for like, it wasn't Shapesmith's episode. It wasn't yeah. like, you know, it, it, it was awesome. So you, it's, it's cool that you can expand on, uh, on characters like Titan, but still keep the heart of like the small, um, the small pieces too. And it just still feel just as natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, like, but you guys know, like, you know, Robert will introduce a character on, you know, at like issue 30 and then selling the character have a massive backstory run over like three issues or four issues at like issue like 86 or something like that. Right. right? Yeah. So yeah. we want to make sure too, that uh, we're not screwing ourselves out of telling a later story, you know, yeah. because we didn't introduce something early on. So we sort of really look at everything he did in the books and be like, Oh wait, no, we need to have this here because this is going to pay off in season six right we get if we get to a season six and we don't want to don't want to screw that up we want to make sure i i i almost i almost think that's probably one of the reasons the show has seen so much success via like word of mouth among fans because even the the storylines that might feel like the b plot or might not feel like the main storyline you have people like us going like oh that thing robot just said though it's gonna have (laughs) such huge implications later on and it it creates more like interest in the storylines yeah it's it, it's incredible the the way you guys are weaving all this in i know uh bill mentioned <laughs> sorry do you want to go <laughs> no no i was just gonna piggyback you i mean you said my name go. so i'll just listen to it go, go. no no go go <laughs> no i was just gonna say like even even little things like how you can tell a story with the title card honestly <sighs> simon when that happened we like we flipped the table we were like what the <laughs> fuck like it was the coolest thing that had happened that we had seen. We love seeing the, the black and blue reveal is what you're referring to, right? Oh, okay. Right, oh my right, god, right, yeah. 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 yeah, like yeah. little things like that, and yeah, yeah. the way Speaking, you're. It comes back to that thing of, uh, like I said, like you only have so many minutes, so you're trying to make every minute count, at, oh uh, every god. minute matter. So it's like you're like, okay, is is if we have a scene, can we get it to do something for us? Can we get it to just move a character forwards? Give or just hint at a bit more of a character story or what they're mm-hmm. going through, their motions, and you should. You know, I think good screenwriting is about economy. Is it like literally you have so few pages and so few words even in those pages. You got to make everyone matter as much as you can. Mm-hmm. You can't go too far with that, obviously. Yeah. Like it still has to feel natural, but that's that's the goal. I have yeah. a question that I hope maybe if it's a spoiler or if it does spoil something, what it had that we've already seen in season one and what we've seen in season two, is there, a, is there something that you fought for, but someone was like, well, does it carry water? Like, do we actually need it? And you were like sad that it didn't make the cut. Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I mean, like, because again, we we into you know the writing team. We always you you they treat me the same way I treat them. You know, so I expect they I get my writing team to read my scripts and to give me notes back on my scripts because there's stuff uh, you know I forget or I make mistakes or stuff. Uh, you know, all my work can be better too. So it's mm-hmm. really great to have the team also read my material and be like, you know what, we think the scene could go further. You know, or like this doesn't make any sense. You need to cut this. So it's it's a real, you know, great team effort to get these scripts. You know, and Robert obviously reads everything too, and he has comments as well. But oh god, something that I lost. I mean, there was uh, there was. I think Robert hinted at this, so I can say this. Uh, the first script of season two uh, originally had a much longer opening uh of, of basically yeah in in the other reality yeah. you know in that bad reality uh where basically it was a rescue mission uh to save some of the other heroes some of the other guardians basically like uh, from omni man <laughs> yeah from omni man and um 
uh, mark uh, at that point. So we had a, it was a much longer scene. It was a different kind of opening, and we sort of, you know, Rob and I talked about it. And I think probably if we had come out very close to season one, like a regular cadence, like maybe a year later, it would have worked. But we were sort of talking about it. And we're like, oh, man, it's it's gonna be it's kind of a downer opening and a long downer opening to come back after so mm. long. I think people would be like, what, wait, what is this? This like, how long are we in this other reality? So Got I think it. It, it was, it was feeling like a mistake. So we trimmed it way back. Uh, but there was some really cool stuff in there, you know, yeah. like some, <laughs> some, so I, I thought some really great action and some stuff like this. So you're really sad when you cut that stuff. Sometimes you try yeah. to use it somewhere else if it works, but like, yeah, we lost some, we lost some cool fun stuff with the immortal there uh you know uh well, there, was a there was a different scene of the immortal being used as bait to kind of lure in like angstrom and like eve and robot and stuff uh that we lost but but yeah. ultimately oh, this, this it was the right decision this yeah. is better this works better for what we were doing are those things that you're talking about the immortal stuff things like that that we might be able to see later down the line in like a deleted scene type of thing or does or it, it not even get to that point you know what? Unless Robert, unless we publish the scripts, and and then also we would also have to publish like the scripts we didn't entirely use. I yeah. know uh, it's so the difference is like uh you know when you work live action you shoot a lot of extra footage right you shoot a lot of B roll you shoot like if you if you have characters walking down a hallway you know to a big fight you shoot them walking down the entire hallway because film is cheap not that anyone shoots a film anymore digital is cheap yeah so you just shoot it you shoot you're already there you already set up it's already lit. A couple like 20 extra seconds of them walking is fine. You might need it. So you have it. Uh, and with animation, you edit before you shoot, basically. Mm -hmm. So we only really animate what we use. You try to figure out, you make these animatics, which is the whole thing cut together of storyboards with sound and everything. Uh, and you try and figure out what you're going to need because it costs money to animate and you don't want to pay money for stuff you're not going to use. Yeah. So we do, we do make small edits. We trim. But if we did like deleted scenes, honestly, they would be like that starts of scenes and like the ends of scenes it'd be like someone like getting up out of a chair or something. it would be the most <laughs> i'd love to see it boring. it would be boring it'd be terrible. let's see it we, we almost never I, I don't even think we've ever cut like an entire scene that was wow. animated you know yeah. there are there it's more like these little moments or something comes back and we're like that doesn't look as good as we were hoping so let's just start the scene later interesting uh, friend features features do that more so well, yeah. than tv we just don't have the time or you know, i'm sure so, yeah. i'm sure that adds a bit of pressure to you guys in the writing room as well that knowing that like you have to kind of lock in the story and and what you're going to animate first because then well much later in the process where if you were shooting on film or shooting live action that you'd have that kind of liberty to like cut things or maybe do a quick reshoot in some way whereas you guys don't necessarily have that option i'm sure that kind of adds a, an extra level of stress as you're doing the writing of it yeah, at every stage of the writing, then also at the animatics. We try to make the animatics like really like you should be able to watch it and be like, that's the episode. That okay. is, you can watch it. Yeah. It's cut to time. It's got all the acting in the voices. And we put in temp music yep. and temp sound effects. So you can watch and be like, yeah, there, it's great. Let's just animate that. And then even then, though, you're still sometimes making changes. Uh, we still we do reanimate sections sometimes because they didn't come back. They didn't work out the way we were hoping they were. They they would. So we will make changes and reanimate stuff. But honestly, it's like, this is television production, you know, like Pixar takes six years, seven years to do 90 minutes yeah. of, of feature, right? We do, you know, eight hours in, you know, you, I'm not going to be long yeah, yeah. at this time, but in like a year and a half, you know, a year yeah. or whatever. Uh, so you just have, you got to move fast on this. Yeah. You don't have time to sort of explore the scene and try it a couple different ways. Like you can do that, but that has to be done at the board stage, not at the animation stage. Right. 
This whole interview is just reminding you of how hard your job is. Like, <laughs> like hey, don't forget, it's That's super true. hard. <laughs> Wyatt uh, earlier alluded to just the insane success of the show. Uh, it was just like released that, you know, uh, season one, episode one from season two, episode one, it like tripled its viewership, which is insane. I don't know if you have this answer, if you could tell us, but like in terms of prime video original series, where does Invincible rank on that? Because maybe we're too close, but it feels like it's got to be like top five, right? I mean, they don't tell me. But, you okay. know, I felt bad for a while. I was like, are they just treating, you know, me differently or whatever? And then there was an interview <laughs> with Tony Gilroy, who does Andor, which is, you know, phenomenal. Oh, yeah. right? And Tony Gilroy, yep. Gilroy, also like the Bourne movies, you know, like just a insanely talented huge writer and showrunner and he was like i have no idea how many people watch andor they won't tell me so i was like oh i don't feel so bad now yeah Uh, we know amazon is really happy with it uh you know i think we're top we're number one in the u.s or right now on their platform that's public if you can see that's awesome platform yeah i kind of that's the information i get you know i don't actually they're they're just like thumbs up you get another season uh you know which is i would love to know specifics i do not i'm not even like lying i really do no, not yeah. know how many viewers we have or where we rank other than they seem happy and we seem to have a much bigger audience than anyone expected yeah it's well, based good. off Hopefully... of how many gift baskets you get sent to you right it's like right. from amazon <laughs> like this I one's got some muffins in it yeah it must be good they, they've, they've sent one or two they, they're they're good they, they're they're like celebration season came out we're happy Here's a bottle <laughs> nice. of champagne. so that's yeah. nice yeah all right uh we got a uh wrap it up here in just a few minutes so i want to just get some if we could just do a couple like quick lightning round type things um real quick was the okay so alan episode incredible it's the best episode in my opinion from seasons one and two episode three of season two is incredible it's just perfect um it's episode someone brought this up online i thought it was really interesting it's episode three of season two episode episode two of episode yeah three three of season two yeah you're right yeah. Issue 23 is Alan's first appearance or is the this mess of this this mess right. of this mess. Is that intentional? Is that intentional? I wish I could say yes. You crazy, should just man. Let's edit this out and say that it was going forward. Absolutely. Because... We planned that from the start. Oh, from genius. The genius. Genius. Yeah, no, that's a great, uh, that's a great no, help. His job's not hard enough. He needs to make the fucking episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and... Oh my God, that's the first I've actually heard about it. Uh, yeah. I wish we could take credit for that. Maybe Robert had, uh, let's give it to Robert. He has okay, yeah, yeah. All right. all along. He should tell us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, does having Universa in the Adam Eve game mean that she wouldn't appear in the show or vice versa? Like, is that something that is a factor in the show? Uh, I don't know specifically about her. I don't think so. I don't think that would be a reason. I mean, Robert yeah. uh, and Skybound, you know, they have different license agreements for different characters. For different different ways. You, you guys, you guys know all this stuff. Sony and Marvel and Spider-Man, yeah. they, like, they have all the same thing. So it's not dissimilar here. So mm-hmm. really, we just sit down with the season and Robert lets us know basically who we can and can't use. And if there's yep. anybody we can't use, then we... Uh, right around it or we, we make a replacement or we do do something like that so i don't know the anything specific for universal though i yeah so but i haven't heard anything like nobody's told us we can't use her so if you had to pick a, a favorite needle drop from season one or even the first half of season two do you have one i mean i mean my i gotta say holy fuck right 
Oh yeah, uh, yeah. You know, that's that's the one I had in my head from like when I was writing really? that script. Yeah, well, I'm friends with the band. I've known those guys oh, for years. Oh, that's cool. And nice. I was like, I was, I, but I, it's not even an nepotism thing. I was just remember being like, oh, I know who would sound great because I wanted some music that sounded a little alien, a little weird, oh, so kind, good. but like mm-hmm. also would get you going. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I bet one of their songs would work great here. And I went through their catalog and I was like, this one. This one would work great. Would, would work really well here. And the crazy thing is, when we were hiring music supervisors for the show, uh, we had our music supervisor at the time. Sometimes they provide you a reel, like just like or a sample of their like yeah. your songs. I think kind of fit your vibe for the show. Uh, they were on her application to the show. Oh, perfect. And I was like, done, hired. Yeah, obviously. You know, <laughs> so yeah, I was like, she's on the right track, obviously, because she she already also sees that they were. So I'm like, so it's not just me wanting my friends on the show. Like this yeah. is this is legit uh, here. So yeah, probably uh, yeah, holy fuck. That's I'm sure if any of us ran a show, we'd all just be putting our friends on the show. So you're better than <laughs> we are, you know? Well, here's the thing. you got to be careful because that is, uh, I think, that can be a common thing is you're just like, I'm just going to put all the music I like into the show. Sure, uh, yeah. Unless the show is about you, that is the wrong choice. <laughs> yeah. uh, it needs to be the right music for the show. I love R.E.M. I grew up listening to R.E.M. my entire life. They're my favorite band. I've seen them the most probably out of, out of all times. Them, you know. Uh, are they the right band for Invincible? Not yet. And I don't think maybe they ever will be and that's hmm. fine so we don't put them in the show well yeah. we had uh we had uh kirkman on the show um at the end of season one and he talked to kind of talked about that where um the final season the final scene of the first episode he talked about how they went through all these different songs um and you know kind of tested out different ones but at the in the end they kind of decided just to not have any music at all I, i'm sure there's a lot of decisions that get made millions of decisions every day that has to be the best one it's it, it was so <laughs> well perfect. here's the thing you guys should so we we started talking about that early on so part of that is like very early on we were like okay we have this final scene on one hand if the sound design works it will be very visceral to just hear that you know to hear the 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 meatiness of the fight to hear the destruction of that to hear all the bones to hear all that kind of stuff but as a showrunner you like on our schedule you also hedge your bets because you're like, okay, but what if that doesn't work? What if those sounds don't really sell the scene? What if they're not visceral enough? And this isn't a, a thing about our sound team. It's just like, maybe it just doesn't work. So what's your backup if it doesn't work? Because that's a long scene to run dry, you know, if that if that idea of it doesn't work. So that idea was around from the very, very beginning. So we we're like, also, let's have a backup. And the backup is you put a song over it or you put music over it. You get your composer to do something over it. So we looked at both of those options. We looked at songs. And we had a couple songs that I think worked really, really well uh, over that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we had both options. We could A, B it. We could look at them That's and be great. like, you know what? The sound design is awesome. It mm-hmm. really sells a moment with just, and there's, if you listen really closely, there's just like the hum of like the air conditioning also in that scene that you hear at the very <laughs> end, which keeps it alive and makes it feel like a real place. And we're like, yeah. no, this clearly, this idea that we had, again, from the start, is the way to go. This works really well. Yeah. The songs were great, yeah. but this is, this is the moment. Let's do it. It's much more jarring it's much more abrasive yeah. it's, it's rare that you hear moments of silence on television let's use that yeah uh, so that's how that came about but you gotta uh, maybe it wouldn't work maybe we wouldn't need that song we would have needed john paisano to do some composition over you don't know so you want to be ready for all yeah. eventualities because when it comes out it you might only have like a week to make that decision and have to solve it because yeah. then the episode has to be mixed so yeah well, so, totally too totally too i mean i don't know if robert told us you know what what it was off air on air but i think it was the right decision tonally wise too because it it could have changed from it being like 
terrifying and intense to almost kind of like lighter, you know? And man, the minute you hear War Woman's hammer, you're like, this needs yeah. to be quiet the whole time. Yeah, her mace. The mm -hmm. Oh my god! I was so happy. Oh my god! Yeah, that was a thing. We're like, oh, this is working now. But if you notice, we do it in other places, like Episode Seven of Season One. There's no theme music over the credits. Uh, we just go straight out. Uh, so mm -hmm. these are just like creative choices that you make on the way. And I was just like watching it and being like, you know what? I think it'd be great if we just go out silent after that. Because it's such mm -hmm. a, to, oh, yeah. to really emphasize that ending and make it sort of stay with you instead of having this theme song kind of come in like loud. So yep. uh, yeah, it's these are, these are again, creative decisions. You A-B them, you, try, you, listen, you watch it both ways and you kind of make, hopefully make the right call or the call that you think is correct for the moment. Yeah. You guys well, are crushing it. Yeah. Uh, Thank you guys. Thank you so much, of course, not only for coming on the show, but thank you as well to the whole team. We're, yeah, we couldn't be happier. I was just talking to someone recently on uh, online about how lucky we are as a fan base to have such a, a, a great adaptation, something that we're proud of and is doing well. So um, keep killing it. Well, thank you guys. And thank you for the support of the show. I mean, like, you know, if we didn't have an audience, we didn't have people like you who enjoy it and watch it and talk about it, uh, we wouldn't get to make more seasons. And that's really just what, that's my job i just want to make more awesome. shows and make more seasons of invincible yep. so you guys make that possible too so thank you thank you for having me Anytime. absolutely great thanks okay i'm sure we're talking again soon <laughs>